Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Hello and welcome to NBC, IGN's Nintendo podcast, also known as Nintendo Voice Chat. This week we will be talking about Fire Emblem. Thank you. I'm very glad that we started recording this on Thursdays and not Wednesdays <laughs> because how many weeks in a row has that been? But anyway, also how the Nintendo Switch has been breaking records and our AR game wishes what we think would be good AR games and obviously a whole lot more about Nintendo. I'm your host, Casey DeFridis, and this week I am joined by Brian Altano. Hi, good to see Church you Niner. all again. 
Pear Snyder. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. I, <laughs> I was looking. <laughs> I was looking at Jim like, did she say my name or no? <laughs> uh, hi. Hello. What's up, guys? Good morning. It is. We do this in mornings now. Also, oh, Tom Marks. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the morning recording of Nintendo Voice Chat now on Thursday, so we don't miss Nintendo announcements. Yeah. Hooray. It's already we're paying off. Where we're all totally awake. Yeah. No, it's good. I mean, we should be, right? I mean, actually, where I am, oh man, it's 140. Where I oh, am. Wait. That's right. You're not, uh, you're I'm no not longer uh, on, anymore. on the West Coast. I'm not, but you're, I'm still waking up in, early. Yeah, you're on the East Coast now. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm on the East Coast. It's, that's still of, acceptable coffee time, though. I mean, I, have I, am, a large, I am still a large cold coffee. brew in a vintage uh, Burger King Star Wars cup. So. <laughs> things are going things are going normal over here i have a black Don't, coffee and a little fancy a glass no i have a nice glass of water delicious Ugh. everyone stay hydrated <laughs> during these warm months unless it's not warm where you are because i see some people it's snowing but anyway let's talk about <laughs> nintendo uh where some games are hot like fire emblem uh hey. <laughs> but it was <laughs> It was just announced this morning that Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light is coming to Switch on December 4th. This is the first time that this game is being localized for the West. And I know Pear is especially excited about it. And this game is starring Marth, which is, you know, he was in Smash. And I loved the way that they introduced this ad because it was, you know, oh, I never played this guy. It's like, you don't know who Marth is? He's in Fire Emblem. And it's like, it zooms into Japan only. It was great. Uh Pear, what do you think? I'm so happy. I mean, first of all, we just talked about this a couple of episodes ago, and I said that the Super Famicom, the Super NES sequel that never came out here is obviously vastly superior, but includes this entire storyline. And neither one has been localized um, in the original Famicom slash NES style. But like if you if you're a Fire Emblem fan, you probably have played the story before because, you know, there was a little DS remake called Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon. And that's exactly this NES game. But ported, you know, set up for dual screen setup and all that, which obviously makes it a little difficult to release on Switch. But I, I love this from a preservationist con- uh, perspective. We're getting a game that you know started the the franchise as an anniversary release with a really cool special edition too. I really want that one at a you know as a at a not so cool mm-hmm. price. But um, you'll you'll be able to buy this translated Fire Emblem game for six bucks on the eShop. It's not going to be part of Nintendo Online, but I I will caution people, it is not the best Fire Emblem game, right? The the series has evolved so much with new game systems layered on top, but it's really cool to see where the game started. It's really hard. Uh, You know, the game did not hold your hand in the beginning. There's uh, You kind of have to rely on some hidden stuff on the map that you have to really scout the maps for, and it doesn't tell you where anything is. Um, But to me, this is just a... It's a sign that maybe Nintendo is looking back at its past and thinking about localizing stuff for anniversaries. I mean, there's a 15-year anniversary coming up for Mother 3, for example, and we never got that game here. And then there's still a ton of Fire Emblem games that never got localized. So I'm, I'd be excited don't, to see those again. Don't put that energy out into the world if you're not ready to break some hearts, Pear. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did... I think I think you're on to something, Pear, because they, they did put out... Um, the Star Fox 2 in the SNES right. Classic a couple of years ago. And that was one of those things that you were like, this is relegated to the modern community for history. And Nintendo was like, no, no, we, we got this. We'll, we'll take it out there. 
Um, so maybe there is room for that. Uh, personally, I'm holding out for them to do something special for the 35th anniversary of Metroid, which is next year, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, and they did, you know, they just released Paneled Upon um, in, in the, uh, as part of Nintendo, the Nintendo subscription as well, right? We, which uh, didn't get localized before, and they, they just left uh, all the menus in Japanese, and it's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, they remember they did Mother Beginning too, but they did Earthbound Beginnings, right? They they localized that one uh, many many years, and we got to play that before. Um, which I'm surprised they haven't re-released that on the on the Switch yet. Now the one big negative is, and I think fans are already reacting to this, is this weird Disney Vault approach again. They're saying they're going to sell this for one year, and when the anniversary is over, which is at the end of a year, uh, it'll go away. It's some weird marketing stuff. Extremely. Um, I don't care. I'll just buy it, so I don't have to worry about that. But yeah, but still, it's just kind of odd. Yeah. So that that's just the six dollar digital game, right? I imagine the other one's gonna the physical version with all the special goodies is gonna sell out probably instantly. It'll even be, like, it'll, five yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even the um like the the Mario pins um were a problem for a lot of people trying to get those sold out instantly, even though that was like a whole. Yeah you know, mini quest of adventures you had to do as a Nintendo fan. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw Matt Piscatello from MPD tweet this out this morning, but he was basically like, hey, like, you know, if you sell a limited edition thing and it sells millions of copies, like, guess what you're going to do again? You know, this is exactly what happened with the Mario collection. They realized that that sort of uh, impulse to get it out there before it's gone uh, and sell as many copies as you can before you can't get it again, led to millions of sales. It's one of the best-selling games yep. of the year. And so they'll just keep doing that forever now. Great. NES Classic, <laughs> a Super yeah. NES Classic. Obviously, the strategy works for them. It's funny when it's a digital game. Like, why not just add it to the library and make the special edition the limited one-year print, right? Like, that to me mm-hmm. makes more sense. But whatever. Like, let them play their little Disney vault game. Disney eventually moved away from that, too. So, you know, we can... Uh, we can open it up help. again eventually, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also I also just wanted to comment, like I said, oh, it's only six dollars. Like, I'll just pay it for it now and play it when I eventually want to play it. But I mean, for a kid, six dollars isn't just six dollars. It's like they have to ask their parents and it's like a whole thing to, to go through to get that six bucks. So I don't think kids will like this game, Casey. <laughs> probably not. But I don't uh, maybe like a 15 year, a cultured 15 year old. <laughs> a cultured 15 year old would like it yeah, yeah. No. i think at that point a cultured 15 year old has six dollars so <laughs> that you know what i i would have had six dollars to buy this game at 15. that's the kind of money you could put that money you can bring that money to the museum and and or buy a, a novel as a cultured 15 year old there's exactly. a lot of you know you could buy some hg's mm-hmm. yes you know delicious yeah. Gouda? A single glass of wine in Europe? Variety? Oh, you could. Uh, 16. In, well, no, actually, wine, you have to be 18 in, in most countries. In a beer really you can have at 16 in Germany. Oh. In, in yeah. France, it's really young, though, isn't it? Nobody cares. Yeah, they don't. Oh, nobody, nobody cares. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I remember, like, <laughs> I was with, like, I was on a high school trip in France, and there were 14 year olds with us, and we bought a bottle of wine. We're like, <gasps> Oh my God. Well, <laughs> now that you said it, <laughs> now that you said it, the sûreté is going to come for you. Oh no! Do you know why you bought that wine though? Because you couldn't buy Fire Emblem on Nintendo. That's right. That's that exactly what it was. <laughs> that would have changed. I spent money on wine yeah. instead, and then I became a raging wine aholic <laughs> instead of a well, Fire this, Emblem fan. 
This went off the rails fast. Yeah. So tell, hold on. Tell me about the physical edition of this because, like, I'm not a big Fire Emblem guy, but there's some really awesome stuff in here. There's like an old school Nintendo fan. Uh, well, there's a there's a uh, Nintendo Power Post, which I'm sure you love, right? That yeah, seems it, more targeted towards you. Um, I'm sorry. And then there's <laughs> ah, the beauty of remote calls and talking over each other. It has a, you know, it has a fake game pack, uh, which mm-hmm. is really cool. So you get that original, uh, you know, Famicom looking cartridge in there. Then you get a game box, the game box that we never got here. Um, just uh, and, and, a, a, and a nice art book. Um, there are a ton of Fire Emblem art books. If you go to a Japanese bookstore, um, you know, it's a beloved series that obviously has really cool art um, that uh, changed over the years, but always had this kind of cell shaded anime style look to it. Um, yeah, it, it seems really cool. There's no physical cartridge edition, though. Like when you buy the special edition, it's got a little code you can enter. Huh. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can't imagine. Usually the reason that that's annoying for, for people is because it's like a huge download and they have like data caps or whatever i cannot imagine like, that this game yeah is gonna yeah. like take up a ton of room on your sd card no super fast yeah that'll be fine sure. mm-hmm. so anyway we were just talking about fire emblem shadow dragon and the blade of light and very quickly last thing pair would you recommend everyone get this game no uh look i mean <laughs> you have to be you have to be a fire emblem fan it's a it's a hard game and it's kind of uh, it, it, it has historical value and it's really cool to see where Marth came from and to go back to the beginning. But like, if you played the remake on the DS, it's not like you're going to find new surprises or anything here. It really is for a Fire Emblem super fan. Hence, like, I, I feel like it's for people who want that beautiful special edition. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, I'm hoping that the, the Super Famicom sequels uh, uh, will eventually uh, come, come out like that mm-hmm. too and get localized because those are, as playable now as they were back then. Cool. Well, thank you for all of that knowledge, Pear. I appreciate it. We were just talking about Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light coming to Switch on December 4th. But now let's talk about how Nintendo Switch is breaking another record. It has now become the best-selling console in the U.S. for 22 months in a row. And now this is dethroned. The Xbox 360, which previously gained the record hold, became the record holder between August 2011's and april 2013 so this is the first time it's breaking it do you think and this is as of september by the way not as october because obviously october is not done yet but what does everyone think do you think nintendo will continue to strengthen the streak as the holiday months approach i mean yeah absolutely you got to imagine that they're gonna get dethroned for in november right yeah you'd assume maybe ps5 or xbox right maybe like it, that that seems easy to me, but maybe stock can't keep up. I don't know. That's exactly it. I mean, I mean we, we've heard from the jump, at least from the PlayStation side, which is by all uh, means the what seems to be anecdotally the more popular of the next gen systems in terms of pre-orders, just even just looking at internal numbers uh, on IGN, um, that they are shipping a limited amount this year. And I don't really know if they're going to be able to sell more than the ones they sold via pre-order. I don't know how many millions of them be on the store shelves. Um, Nintendo's pipeline's gotten like a little bit more robust over the last few years when the pandemic first hit, it couldn't really keep up, but we also really haven't seen a ton of their plans in terms of like black Friday bundles or anything like that. And I'm starting to wonder when, and if that's happening, like we're a few weeks away now, you think it would be smarter than to be like, Hey, this is our big November 
uh, SKU. It's a limited edition version of the Switch. It comes with a pack-in game, blah, 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 blah. Um, something to get a bunch more uh, retail units on shelves. But, I mean, if you can walk into a store in November, if you're even walking into stores in November, <laughs> and buy a video game system, and it's a Nintendo Switch because the other ones are sold out or unavailable, then I think they have a chance of keeping that going. That said, like, does Sony get to... I guess they get to... They, they count the sales of all the PS5s that they sold pre-orders of two months ago, yes. right? And same with Xbox. No, yeah, that, that's sure. exactly it. Yeah, and so um, we don't know what those numbers look like either, but we know that they're all sold out so far. Like, there hasn't really been a ton of new uh, kind of, like, waves of inventory hitting, but... I don't know. I, I think that Nintendo is going to hold pretty strong, but there, I, I think if they do lose one month, it will be to PS5 in November. Yeah, I, I feel like, first of all, the, the one of the reasons why it has held that streak is because the, the console cycle is so offset now, right? We have a console yeah. that came out in 2017 versus machines that came out in 2013. And so what we see traditionally in a console cycle is, yeah, there is a big first sales month, but actually the biggest sales months are later um, in, in the history of a, of a game, like mm-hmm. year two and three. You'll see a console like the PlayStations. You'll see them peak and then decline over time. And so, you know, switches pl- uh, switches um, release schedule, and then the fact that Nintendo combined its handheld and console lines into one definitely are helping here. But you're right. I mean, there, it is possible that the Switch could emerge as the top selling console in November, despite all the pre-orders and all of that. First of all, next gen consoles two are launching in the same month, so the audience is split between yeah. two machines, right? And then Nintendo's got the the light out there, which is selling maybe to former, you know, 3DS owners. Um, and, you know, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have that kind of bottleneck of having to deliver pre-orders from two months ago um, and, and being able to sell into it. So we'll see. I have a feeling the PlayStation 5 will be the top selling console in November, mm-hmm. um, but it would be really awesome to see the, the Switch deliver. And by the way, Switch is now at 62 million units sold. Um, it's surpassed the Xbox One, as you guys know. It's more than halfway now to the the PlayStation Four um, sales, and uh, it keeps on it keeps on just cranking. It will be a hundred million install console, and I think it has a shot at like really taking over the the, the top spots in the has top it, five. Has it outsold the NES yet? Yes, it just yeah yeah it, NES, it just passed yeah. that. Um, yeah, I think uh, like the 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 thing about Switch is that it has games. It has awesome ah, exclusive. No, seriously. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for the Series X and the PS5 on day one. I don't think that either of those systems have necessarily given consumers like a ton of reasons to buy them uh, on, on the first day. Outside of like the the you know the wow factor of being there, being part of the conversation, having it early. Um, you know, Demon Souls, which looks mm-hmm. awesome. I can't wait to play that. But a lot of the games are cross-gen, and a lot of Switch games are exclusive to Switch. You know, this has been its own ecosystem for a very long time now. Uh, and I think a lot of people are going to be excited that there's hypothetically a new Zelda game launching this fall. It's not... I mean, they'll realize when they open it that it's not, you know, <laughs> Breath of the Wild 2. But um, yeah. still, there's a lot of excitement around it. And Animal Crossing is a gift that keeps on giving. And, you know, same with Smash Brothers is constantly getting new content. And so, yeah, there's always excitement around that library. Like, it's, you know, Mario sure. Kart will keep selling. There's good stuff, but Cyberpunk, Call <laughs> of Duty, right. Assassin's Creed, Spider-Man, on Demon the Souls. Generation, that's, except for Demon Souls. Very yeah. true, but you know that's it, you could have said that about the Switch launch too. You could have 
play it you know yeah, Zelda right. on the previous you're generation right. no i i think those are some really big killer third-party games obviously sony has some nice first-party stuff um i think cyberpunk is going to be absolutely massive and we'll see how yeah. many people play it on old versus new hardware right yeah i think coming out with a limited edition model right around black friday for the holidays would be the smartest move for nintendo to keep up the streak because that might convince people like us to buy to like double or triple or quadruple dip into the Nintendo Switch. Um, because I know if they came out with, I don't know, a really awesome Zelda special edition Switch, or maybe next year they might come out with a special edition Monster Hunter Switch, like I'll probably buy a second one. Um, yeah, so- or even how about a Game & Watch? <laughs> we can't <laughs> even pre-order the that. other Game & Watch yet. Um, I, I, I think like I pre-ordered the around- Japanese yeah. one. I pre-ordered do the- that one. No, I pre-ordered the British one. <laughs> <laughs> it's sophisticated nice. it's a, it's cultured um it no, comes with that, a monocle <laughs> and a glass of wine i think it yeah. uh um if they did something around i know they've announced all their plans for the mario 35th anniversary but since that game's still hard to get if they had done like or still do a special edition switch or switch light that comes packed in with 3d all-stars that could be cool too i think that you can get a lot of like, that would be great that's that's a, that's like i think that like that 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 exudes sales past pretty much any, anything else they have right now. I mean, that's it's it's Mario. It's one of the most iconic characters. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't come out with a special edition Mario Switch for the anniversary in the first place. Like that. I know. Oh, you didn't get one. I got one right here. See? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I just showed the the blue and the red Joy-Con attached mm-hmm. to the Switch for. Oh, yeah, sorry, anyone. Thank you for explaining for our audio. It's his pants and his shirt. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's very obviously Mario. It is. <laughs> it needs it needs yellow buttons for the you know. That's right. For his overalls, and you'll nice. switch them depending on what uh, version <laughs> of Mario it is. The overalls got color swapped. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. What? If you go back no. in time, Mario's overalls and his pants have uh, his his shirt have reverse colors. Well, I'll have to Google that. A different right, time. I but... think I, I think I may have just killed Casey. <laughs> but we were just talking about Nintendo Switch having been the best-selling console in the U.S. for 22 months in a row, and if it will continue that streak. But now let's talk about what other Nintendo franchises could make an awesome AR game. And this conversation is being brought up now that Mario um, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit has been out. I assume I don't know. Have Ryan, Pear, or Tom, if any of you been able to, to check this out? Oh, I've been playing a lot of it. I love okay. it. Yeah, All right, cool. it's awesome. <laughs> cool. I have so also checked it out. Huh? I'm sorry, Tom. I think Pear has as well. I, I did. So I, I, I got the the uh, Mario edition, and then I, I ordered the Luigi one for a second player one. Cool. Um, and I played it with my son, and it's honestly magical. It is a it is a surprisingly cool um experience like it's when you first hook it up and you do your first 50 cc race and it goes up to 200 right you do your first Mm -hmm. 50 cc race and you watch i watched my kid play it and it's like it's this slow card going around your living room you know it freaked out the dogs i posted some pictures (laughs) um and then you look at the camera view because it's so low it actually has this incredible sense of speed you know yeah yeah. And then I, when you go up to 200 CC, you're like, oh, my God, you can still boost from that speed. It's like a serious upgrade. 
I w- I've been describing it as like the the action sequences in the Ant-Man movies where yeah. like it's like crazy and intense and then it pans out and it's just like a toy train set because um, you will be in this like ridiculously heated match against a bunch of other uh, characters and dodging shells and power sliding around turns and stuff like that. And you look down on your living room floor and there's just this like dinky little car. Like, <laughs> I know so, it's amazing. It's also like, there's a, there's sort of like a free driving mode that I would be messing with. Um, and it just lets you drive your car around like a remote control car, but with a full AR camera. And you can like <laughs> look under your furniture and be like, Oh, I've never seen the bottom of this entertainment center before, you know? <laughs> Um, you, you can find lost things. No, it's just re- it's a really good product. It's uh, it's not cheap, obviously, right? You got to pay a hundred bucks for each car. Um, but uh, and 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 I will say the kind of longevity of the product. It's not like Mario, where every track feels so different, right? Like it takes effort to set up a track and all that. And so it is a cool toy, and you'll eventually run out of things to do with it. But um, it's it's. I, I think it's incredible. It's such a cool idea. You know, the folks um, that worked on it come from uh, Vicarious Visions. You know, they worked on the Tony Hawk franchise before. So it's like, it's uh, or Guitar Hero even. And it's like, it's real diehard uh, uh, kind of hardware concept fans as well as Nintendo fans. And they just pulled, pulled off something really, really uh, remarkable. And then that kind of crossover with, with Labo too. You know, we've got the little cardboard yeah. gates um they work just, so well it's just smart and and like the ar stuff if you haven't played it yet um the the ar overlays like effects on the the gates and things like everything lights up and looks really cool and obviously it's, there are different um rendered enemies one, on screen one tip for it you need a really well lit area to play this because yeah. if it's even a little bit dark you will not be able to see things i was playing i was playing a little bit last night with my partner and we had to get like lanterns and put them around to like light up some of the darker areas of the house or like under tables and stuff like that or else we were just like running into things constantly mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i'm did you guys how see terrible it is <laughs> did you guys see on the uh on the nvc facebook group um there were a couple of people who uh shared custom setups there were some of our friends from germany they took over this entire uh this big room and created a custom track on it and you know uh there were some setups that used ramps even though ramps are forbidden but they put a sandpaper on it so the cars have friction and can actually go over and it totally works oh so uh, there's so many cool custom setups already and you can imagine this being something that you would see at gamescom where somebody creates a really beautiful track and you have competitions with two players i had i had the weirdest thing happen because we have these um we have these like Super Mario Brothers magnets on my refrigerator at home. And it's like, a, it's power ups. It's like a star and a mushroom mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I didn't realize that my kid took them off of the refrigerator and was playing with them on the living room floor. Yeah, no, yeah. And I was driving the cart around and I was like, oh, it's a power up. And I oh, literally no. drove right into it. And Mario spun out and I was like, what? And I kind of did the thing where you like take off the glasses. And I looked up and I was like, oh, I hit like a real thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's super fun. My only issue with it is that like it does the connectivity gets a little wonky when you start going room to room. Like if you really try to like um, to follow it. Yeah. Which is like I I tried to make a course that went from basically from my living room to my kitchen and looped around and it it would go into the kitchen and just kind of like get really janky. And just it it kind of felt like when you're playing Wii U back in the day and you got too far from the TV Mm -hmm. and the connection would kind of stutter. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, you learn to work around those, those limitations. 
Yeah, I wish they would set up a Wi-Fi mode where the car connects to Wi-Fi right now. It connects directly to your Wi-Fi radio in your Switch, right? So it's basically tethered to it. What is it, like 20 feet or whatever the range is? Yeah. Um, But yeah, that'd be really cool if you could sync it to your Wi-Fi network and then can do multi-room races. If you're lucky enough to have multiple rooms in your house. (laughs) So anyway, we were just talking about um, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. I know that Janet and everyone talked about this extensively last week because she reviewed it. Her review was amazing. Go watch it if you haven't. But I wanted to bring this up because what other Nintendo franchise could make an awesome AR game? I I think this works really well. I think Pokemon Go works really well. So what else? And this is our Yappa question for the week. And for those who are unfamiliar, this is our video commenting tool at the bottom of every single IGN.com article. You can leave us video comments on any article you want, including our NBC articles. So look out for those questions next week. But I wanted to see what you guys had to say, like what kind of AR games would you want to see? And um, let's start off with Brenton. Go drone. I mean, take the Star Fox franchise or Pilot Wings. And have smaller remote controlled drones that people can take outside or in their house and fly around. I mean, how cool would that be to be in an R-Wing and controlling it like a drone or a remote control airplane? Um, those already exist. I mean, you can go to Best Buy or Target or other you know places and buy cheap, small drones for kids to play with, let alone you know huge, expensive ones. But the point is, um, I think that would be so cool for Nintendo to do next. So... That's my thoughts on the whole thing. I'm wondering what you guys are, you know, thinking about. So have a good one. What do you guys oh God, think? I love Star that. Fox drones? Yeah, no, that's, that's oh, genius. I love that so much. Um, I have the, uh, for a while, do you know the Star Wars drones that they sold for a while? Yeah. It came in this really cool collectible packaging. And for some reason, they got discounted to like 20 bucks. And they, they're really oh. good, right? Like little, little X-Wings and TIE Fighters and stuff. If Nintendo did something that was... Obviously, uh, and and you could do a versus mode with them. Like if you have two of them, you can shoot each other. There's some tracking in it. Didn't have AR, but if Nintendo used the Wi-Fi radio again to control these, and then had like like a target shoot mode or something like that, that'd be really really cool. Oh man, I I want that. You just better be able to take it outside of your house. Is the only thing. Well, yeah, because you're not supposed to take the Mario Karts outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I think uh, like I was actually texting Janet about this last week when I first set up my Mario Karts because I'm like, this rules. And I just had the funniest match where like like I, I was I was playing and like my kid ran in the room and I it smashed into her leg when I was about to win. And she started laughing and I was like, can I upload the video anywhere? And she was like, no, unless you have like a capture kit capturing it like Nintendo specifically disabled video recording or uploading for this game oh and I was like, well that's really weird yeah and she was like well because like they don't they don't want like children filming their homes and like mm. showing you know like their layouts of their homes and stuff like that and so i think that they would probably be worried about people flying like small cameras around all over the place <laughs> and filming stuff um like there's they're they're pretty cautious about that that kind of thing and so it's, it was kind of a bummer because like one of the big selling points for this for me was like going uh, going online and seeing all the videos of people playing this game in their home um i think sold a lot of people on this game and you can actually do that yourself unless you buy a capture kit and so yeah it's 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 an annoying limitation i you know i don't know if there was some other technical limitation around the capture there too but um and and the way it renders uh, that sort of stuff but yeah, I agree with you. Um, 
I, I I don't know. You know, Nintendo's done some some crazy stuff before that we didn't think they would ever embark on. Like, you know, think the Virtual Boy. I don't think they think about that one very often. But like, drones are so commonplace now, and you can buy them at uh, remember toy shops, toy stores. They had mm-hmm. those back in the two thousands. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I would love this. I would totally get them. My uh. You know, this could happen, but my stepbrother actually crashed a drone on a balcony in Miami and they had to go get it. They had to go into the apartment building and like knock on the door and figure that out and get it back. They did get it back, but also it was busted. So what I'm saying is this could happen to your R-Wing if this becomes a thing. Very, very quick anecdote, but we were shooting an episode of Fast Travel back when we used to travel. It was our travel show at IGN and we were flying... um, we were flying over Maine, Bangor, Maine, and we were trying to get some aerial shots. And uh, our cameraman flew too close to a jail without knowing it. And so basically there's this like uh, sort of like disa- like this, you know, invisible field that will disable a drone if it flies too close to certain environments. And, it's like Hogwarts. Yeah. And so he operations. like... Yeah, it was like an N64 game where there's just like a, a fake polygon there. And he just flew too close and it just went like, Pew! and luckily it was able to like hover diagonally and he oh. steered it at the last second and caught it. And it was oh like five goodness. feet away from like falling in a river. And it was like, yeah, oh so that's, goodness. wow. There's definitely a lot, there's a lot to deal with when it comes to something like that. But, but I would, I would cool. love it. It sounds oh, cool as hell. Get it? <laughs> would you get a Star Fox drone, Tom? I mean, how could you not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as again as long as i can take it outside of my small house then yes i would yeah true and our small ceilings like you like reach up and touch the ceiling very short but this next idea is from rod we'll see what he has to say hey nbc rod from new jersey here i think yeah. the here ar problem is we need a splatoon to life i think Nintendo will make a hybrid system for turf and players, and that'll be a super soaker crossed with a laser tag game. <laughs> I hope they get that thing. I mean, that would be awesome. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I mean, just, just a a territory laser tag game, right? Mm-hmm. I have no so idea would, how they would do that. Would you attach that to your Switch, and you can only see your territory on the Switch? Is that how that works? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Actually, yeah, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. Because when he said Super Soaker, I was like, "Wait, so you're are you spraying water guns near your switch? Because that sounds terrifying." I think something like that actually exists—a Super Soaker laser tag like hybrid. Yeah, they that has the pack. I know that exists, but they could do an AR with a switch where they you attach a camera to it and you can see, and like a laser tag type that, thing. That's the type of great idea, though, that I wouldn't want limited by like a switch, switch. game. Like I would want that to be like one of those like arcade event spaces that you go mm-hmm. to and like all the walls are led walls so when you spray one it changes actual color and like, so cool. oh my god that's such a good idea I, I was that. thinking okay. bigger i was thinking bigger you go mobile and like it's like pokemon go everyone in the world can paint the ground their color or that yeah 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 and like <laughs> it be becomes so cool. a worldwide territory war which color is ahead of time and it makes people go out of the house and go paint their city blue that's like you're talking. You're just you're what you're describing is is gangs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I take it back. <laughs> I mean, we kind of have like Pokemon gangs. Like I'm on Team Instinct. Yeah, to yeah. be fair, they literally call 
they they literally called the mode Turf War. I feel like that one's not on pair. That one's on Nintendo. Okay, fine. Thank you for saving me. <laughs> I can agree with that. From the FBI. And this last idea from our Yappas from this week is from Corey. Hey, NBC. This is Corey from Southern California. Uh, my suggestion isn't so much a franchise as much as something that encompasses all franchises. And it's Amiibos. Let's get some AR functionality in these things that makes them a little more worthwhile instead of just sitting on my shelf doing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Pear? Yeah, Yeah, right now they're sitting in a box doing nothing because we're moving offices. Right. Uh, And I didn't realize how many there were. It it was two full boxes of of Amiibo. Yeah, it'd be cool. Like, I'm always thinking of the chess game from Star Wars when I think of something like that, you know, where you move your figures and then they come to life on your screen. There's been some really cool AR board game stuff in the past as well. And Nintendo hasn't done much with that yet. Um, Sony experimented with some of that stuff on PlayStation too, you know, books coming to life and stuff. Yeah, that'd be really wonderful. Yeah, Wonderbook. That's right. Tom, what do, you, what do you think? Would you yeah, want some AR it, Amiibo? It's certainly, it's like, it's a very, very easy sort of win, right? And it's not something that's like unfamiliar to Nintendo. I think back to like the AR cards and the 3DS, right? Where like you put down a thing and it just sort of like pops up on the card. Obviously, that's a little bit more tricky when you have like an actual figure in front of you that like you would need to animate over, I guess, to make it not weird. But like at the same time, it is... It's it's so it it writes itself, right? Like it just makes total sense the second you say it. Be neat. But so now we've got some of the responses from Yappa, but now I wanted to ask the people talking to me here, Brian, Pear, and Tom, what franchise would you want to see in an AR capacity? No, Brian, I want, let's start with you. Or uh, Tom, you have one? May let's I start with Tom? Yeah, I go for one, it. I have one I actually kind of got excited about, which was just right. Luigi's Mansion, man. Ooh, I think, I that's think, the one. Yeah, yeah, Luigi's Mansion already has that sort of dollhouse style in three, right? Where it's like you're looking in on a thing. And I think it would be so cool if they sold a kit that was like basically like a cardboard dollhouse that you would then play the game over and it would like the like the gates, right? It would lay over themes or lay over levels kind of on a a skeleton of a thing. And then you would just like actually have a little Luigi's Mansion in front of you. I, I think that'd be super cool. I don't know how it would work. I'm not saying it'd be easy, but I think it'd be a really, really good fit for that. Yeah, I know, um, Perry, you had this on your list as well. And Christopher Trindade sent in another Yappa this week, also recommending Luigi's Mansion. Sorry, I, I just want it to be a, a, a mobile AR game where you have to hunt ghosts. And they're not as common as like Pokemon in Pokemon Go, but like you have to actually look for them in the world and and catch them that'd be really cool it has to be dark yeah or else they don't come out that's right that'd be dangerous never mind yeah lots of brian what you got what were you gonna say um so i I feel like a lot of the ar stuff uh that we've seen especially like the mario kart one it, it it involves a lot of like rearranging stuff on the floor and that's not necessarily how most people's homes work right people have shelves they have the bookcases and refrigerators and all this other nonsense. So I feel like a, like setting up a, like a AR 2d Mario level would be really awesome. So basically like you would, you would pan around your room and scan and it would, you could design a course based on what you see in front of you, your windowsills and your picture frames and your closets and stuff like that desks, and then have Mario run and jump and collect items. And it would populate uh, with sort of like 2d artifacts of, 
you know, classic vintage Super Mario enemies and characters and coins and items and stuff like that. Um, I think that'd be really, really awesome because it's it, it feels like drawing something in front of you uh, would be easier to do than just like laying out an entire three dimensional, you know, Super Mario Kart level at home. Having spent a couple of days with that thing now, it's really awesome. But it's yeah, like Per said, it you know, it takes a little bit of planning to sort of get down there and put all the cardboard out everywhere. So, yeah, I would really want an AR 2D Super Mario Brothers game. Uh, that would be having great. drawings having like pencil drawings come to life would be so freaking cool. yes that would yes. be so cool but so like a mario maker but in real life yeah yeah exactly that just sound really cool i like Karen, it make it you also pair you have a uh, pokemon snap down and that was the first thing my mind went to but like pokemon go kind of has that i don't really know how they would make it better because i think the the thing that i like the most about pokemon snap is like seeing pokemon in their natural habitats I, t- I know we're talking about video game characters not actual animals but i like seeing pokemon acting like an- animals i don't know like a documentary but for pokemon and that's what i like about pokemon snap and it'd be very difficult to make that into an ar even though i've wanted it for a long time maybe what's up with pokemon snap i don't know coming. it's supposed to be coming soon and what is that what does that even mean what does coming soon mean anymore <laughs> anyway we were just talking about the nintendo franchises we want to see in ar because mario kart live home circuit just came out and we think it is pretty cool but now let's talk about more news and the at the top of the more news list i think is that today pokemon sword and shield the crown Hunter dlc is released it is available now it is a thursday it introduces a bunch more mechanics and a hundred new and returning Pokemon that you can catch with Crown Tundra DLC you couldn't get before and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, Janet previewed for us. I'm not sure who is reviewing it for us. But Tom, have you been playing the Pokemon DLCs? No, I haven't really. It's like this one actually caught me off guard. Like I didn't even realize it was coming out today. It felt oh. like it had less fanfare than the last one, but maybe that's mm-hmm. just sort of my me being in my own little bubble. Um, but it's it's exciting nonetheless for for people who have are still into that, you know, and are still playing for sure. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to quickly give an overview. I haven't been able to play it yet, so I will check it out today and we can talk about that next week. But from what I can tell you from now, there's a new mechanic called Dynamax Adventures where you can team up with three other people, get, grab a rental Pokemon and then go through like a mini dungeon doing max raid battles. And at the end of the max raid battle, you can choose one of the Pokemon you defeated to capture with a 100% capture rate, which is really cool, would be a really good way to farm shinies because they're a hundred percent capture rate which is neat and also uh, a way to get legendaries pretty easily which is cool um also once you finish the story of the crown tundra and the isle of armor dlc you will unlock the galarian star tournament which is the pokemon company called it the most difficult challenge in the game so i'm excited to check that out like maybe the npcs will have like it'll be more like a battle tower but even more difficult somehow in Janet's preview, she said that the characters will have unique conversations. Maybe you'll see some characters interacting with each other that didn't before. Um, and also one more thing I wanted to point out is that the Galarian Forum legendary birds of Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno are roaming kind of like the legendary dogs were in Gold and Silver. And they have been roaming in previous games as well. But you will go and find them, see a cutscene, and then they will go into Galar 
and you'll be able to find them randomly in the grass. There's apparently a gimmick to it, but I'm not really sure what that is yet because, again, I have not played. But, yeah, I'm excited to to play this, and it looks neat. It looks fun. It looks like the story will be interesting as well. All right, moving on. I think you will all be more excited for this, but Stardew Valley <laughs> is... <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want to interrupt you. No, I don't fine. ever get in the way of, your, of no. you when you talk about Pokemon or uh, Pear when he talks about Fire Emblem. Yeah, everybody just leaves mm-hmm. yeah, no and worries. waits, makes sure. I'll have I'll have someone on next week who has played and we can have a, a proper <laughs> conversation about Pokemon. But until then, Stardew Valley is adding split, split screen co-op and it is also confirmed for the Switch. I think this is really cool. Um, it'll be four players on PC, but some consoles will be limited to two and I assume that includes the switch but this is neat if you guys played stardew valley are you interested maybe yeah, i'll yeah. get back oh, into it because of the- so yeah that's it's really cool to hear that they're doing split screen because it took a really long time and this is not me judging them or no. you know, throwing shade or anything it took it's a really one long person time. wasn't it yeah it was single player for a very long time multiplayer had always been kind of part of the promise of stardew valley and it took them a very 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 long time to get multiplayer working in it because Multiplayer is an incredibly hard thing. Online multiplayer is an incredibly hard thing to add to a game, especially a game that was not necessarily built with online multiplayer from the beginning. Um, So it's really cool to hear that they're doing split screen too. And like, this is a wild game to me because like, I remember years ago, the developer, Eric Baroni, who goes by Concerned Ape, like pretty clearly was like, this isn't going to be a game that I just like, add content to forever and then like since then he's basically just been adding content to it and that's really neat to see that more long-term support that's it's not entirely expected because not every game needs to just have content added to it forever mm-hmm. but yeah i think this is this is neat and i'm glad that they're doing it but also in more news ring fit adventure now this is I guess, I don't know. Let me know how wild you think this is, because I read this and I was like, what? But Ring Fit Adventure has outsold the physical sales for Breath of the Wild in Japan. So according to Famitsu, Ring Fit has an estimated total of 1,668,843 copies sold, while Breath of the Wild has an estimated total of 1,662,966 copies sold. Wow. And Ring Fit obviously physically, but... Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, it's like it's continuing the success of We Fit. Like I, I didn't peg this one to have legs like this, um, but it makes sense, right? People are working from home; they're not getting out as much, they're not going to the gym as much, and here comes this fitness game that can be played in a very small space, just like We Fit before. Um, I think this would have blown away these numbers if stock had been there, because in the US, I've seen many of my friends saying, like, I can't find this game. Where where do you, where do you buy this? So um, it's now back in stock uh, and it's actually a genuinely fun game, too. It is. It is really good. But my question mm-hmm. is, do you think it would have sold as much if we weren't in a pandemic this year? It's the same question with Animal Crossing, right? Who's, like they both definitely say? got a boost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's to say? But yeah, it is genuinely great. I do recommend it. It is a good workout and a fun game. It's all Mm -hmm. all around just like a good time. Also, in more news, Luigi is a secret unlockable in Super Mario 35. Have you guys been playing this game at all? Yes. This is the Super Mario Battle Royale game. So have have any of you unlocked Luigi? No, not yet. I really want to. You have to reach level 100? 
Oh, really? Yeah. So here, yeah, here are the unlock requirements. This is revealed by uh, Combotron Robot on Twitter. And they said, uh, some say you have to reach level 100. Others say you have to complete every level at least once. And players are accessing Luigi by holding L before a match starts. So you have to do one of those two things and then hold L. I'm sure we will have the actual answer by the end of this weekend on IGN's wiki page about Mario 35. <laughs> so you can check that out and know exactly what you need to do. But yeah, really cool. So are we just going to start holding L on every Mario game that we play to see if it unlocks Luigi now? <laughs> that's, that's new. It. That's strat. Hold L. Hold L to, for Luigi, not for to Luigi. Be, to be fair, people have been looking for Luigi in Mario games for a lot longer than Mario 35 has been out. I've been holding W on Smash Brothers, but Waluigi <laughs> just isn't showing. Aww. <laughs> And last up in more news, you can actually watch the grand opening of Super Nintendo World's Mario Cafe and store in Japan. Um, it was a Universal Parks news on YouTube. And have you guys watched it? You guys checked yeah. that out? Are you, why, why do you sound sad? Because I'm sad. A- We're, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. I'm so bummed out. The way Pear just said like that Charlie Brown feeling it looks fun was just like Eeyore over here not getting to go to this. I mean, your options are either you get really sad that you can't go or you, you know, sour grapes the whole thing. And you're like, it doesn't look very cool anyway. I would never really go. Like, so I'm going to choose the form. I'm, yeah, I'm just straight up bummed that we can't go. Like, this looks awesome. There's, there's a Godzilla zip line in Japan. They're having a great time over there. And we're not allowed. No, no, but nobody's so going quite yet. I mean, the park Not isn't yet. open until Not what, yet. like April next year. Japan is serious about re, re, serious about reopening because they moved the Olympics, right? And yeah. so, um, I think we'll uh, see how I that think goes. You meant Japan isn't open until next year. Universal is open. No, no, like, the actual park isn't open. It's just the oh, cafe really? that opens. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, you're talking. Okay, sorry, I thought you meant. Yeah. Okay, the actual Super Mario World portion of the park is not open until April. No. You can right. just have like Mario coffees right now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's like, think about like Universal Studios in LA, how it has that whole village around it and all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, you can you can go to the cafe and uh, watch the video. It's just really charming. And like all of the aerial shots uh, we've seen of the new land, too. It just looks so much fun. But um, yeah, I. I, I was going to go to Japan last year. I had to cancel my vacation. Uh, uh, sorry, this this year I had to cancel my vacation. First moved it back to December, but it's obvious that that wasn't going to happen. So we canceled it, moved it again. So hopefully next year I'll be able to go. And then maybe by then the park is open and I can swing by Kyoto and, and check it out. Oh, Osaka. Yeah, I follow I follow the subreddit of our Japan. And someone's like, oh, we're going to go visit Japan in February next year. Do you have any tips? And everyone was like... You, that's nope that's not gonna happen man sorry like uh, japan's mm-hmm. not opening up until april <laughs> like yeah just so you know so my, my daughter studies in japan and she was um uh, she went back to japan last weekend uh we had to get a special re-entry permit for her from the consulate had to like drive to the consulate twice and get it she had to take a coronavirus test and had to present the results at the airport within 72 hours. And we actually got the test results like with minutes to spare and rushed her to the airport. Ooh. You have to show the test results. They can't be older than 72 hours and they have to be not the rapid test ones. Then you get through, you land in Japan, you have to take another coronavirus test. People are escorted off the plane in groups of 10. You have to wait about three and a half hours at the airport. And then you have to go into a hotel 
for 14 days into quarantine before you can go back because you're not allowed to take public transportation. Yeah. So well, just it is very difficult to go to Japan right now. And that's, you know, that, that's going to keep going for a couple of months. Now that she's there, do you think she could figure out the easiest way to mail us Super Mario ice cream sundaes? Because that's... <laughs> yes. Like that's the thing. Yeah. There's, there's all, like, I, you know, I went to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge last year and it was awesome. I got a bunch of stuff, and there was a bunch of stuff where I was like, I'll, I'll buy this next time I'm here, and that hasn't happened. So I've been like creeping on eBay and being like, oh, should I buy like a Star Wars toy there because I don't have enough of them? Um, <laughs> but for this, like, this is a cafe. The experience is like sitting down and eating dessert. Like I could buy a T-shirt on eBay, but like I, I want to go. I want to go try. Like they have this weird ice cream sandwich that's shaped like Mario and Luigi's hats. Like you know, Dude, the, you're just gonna have the, to eat it in AR, Brian. Uh, how how would how do you think eating ice cream in AR would be? Would that be a, a good experience? Um, I, probably significantly less cal- calories for starters. <laughs> so uh, yeah, good experience. I guess, yeah. I mean, if you could replicate it in some fashion. I mean, some of the other stuff they have at this thing. First of all, I just want to point out that like, there, there are two sort of signature things are these uh, hat. They're called hat pancake sandwiches, which are basically um, there's one for Mario that's strawberry shortcake. It is a it is a giant hat shaped pancake and it comes with a little cookie that has a like a, a you know, a, a thought, a, a speech bubble from like a comic book that says who's cap. Which Mario has literally never said. It's like uh, not one of you know. Could have said, could have said Honestly, Mama Mia or something. <laughs> look, Japan's themed cafes are unbelievable. The most whimsical, amazing yeah. there have ever been, and I highly recommend everyone go to a themed cafe in Japan. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. Yeah, and, and obviously there's a very popular Kirby one by um uh, uh, not Tokyo Tower. There was it Sky Sky Needle thingy Sky, Sky Tower. Tree. Sky, yeah, yeah, Sky, Sky Tree. Tree. There, there you go. go. Um, and it's like, like there's a giant line out the door, and then when you peek inside, just the the way they create the dishes and the way the dishes look, everything is so perfect, right? And it tastes good. Uh, when I lived in Japan in the '90s, there was an HR Giger Cafe. It was all alien themed. The outside was like this black junk with the holes in it. And then all the chairs were like the crazy. They looked like aliens. The dishes were absolutely disgusting looking. <laughs> were they, like they good? Deliberately, yeah, but you looked at them. <laughs> what, dude, there was a cocktail called Afterbirth. Oh my god! Yes, I still no. remember this. But like, but and then the the floor of the cafe was covered with this mist and the little lasers, you know, like that make it look like the the egg scene from Alien One. And that's so they, they're cool. so good at themed cafes, and like, it's surprising this hasn't happened to this extent in the West yet. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I went I went to the Gundam Cafe in Akihabara, and that's that's cool as hell. And I'm not even like a big Gundam guy, but it was that yeah. was super fun. And I've seen pictures. Uh, I know, like Casey Miranda, Andrew Goldfarb have, have all been to the Pokemon ones, oh, eating like so the good. Eevee cheeseburgers and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, ate a, I ate a Pikachu butt. It was very delicious. <laughs> but, oh yeah, but we, have to, <laughs> we have to go. Uh, when I was in Japan last time, two years ago, they had Baskin Robbins had Pikachu ice cream, and it was bright <laughs> yellow with little red dots in it. Mm-hmm. Um, looked like the cheeks. Um, it wasn't that great though. Uh, but uh-huh. we have to go to Disneyland to have like an Indiana Jones experience or a cafe. Yeah. Like, why is that not a thing in the United States? Don't know. I mean, they it's- they made like so. Just to show you how boring we are, uh, Super Mario partnered with Cold Stone Creamery, which I believe is a North American Tom's, ice cream Tom company. Got some. Yeah, and um, it's it's basically just like 
it's you you ate it right tom it's just yeah. regular ice cream with some stars oh, in it, it right it's boring <laughs> it's boring as that it's like I got it. It was like sweet cream ice cream with like different multicolored stars that are not necessarily Mario stars or Mario colors. And then they mix in blue frosting. And that's like basically it. So it's just like sugar with sugar on sugar. And it's yeah. it's tasty. But like I, like I had to ask the person. I don't know if this was just like my local code stone or whatever. But I had to like ask the person if they had it because they had no signage for it whatsoever. And they oh, like weird. had to double check what was in it and then made it for me. And it was like absolutely no pomper circumstance to no, it whatsoever. It, I mean, all of those ingredients they just they just have on hand. Like none of that stuff is yeah. special. It was like, yeah, and it was it was. I'm not like knocking it. I really yeah. like Cold Stone, right? Yeah, was, I do too. I mean, it's delicious. Fun. You should go and get you get half banana ice cream and half cotton candy ice cream and yeah it, I, I, I i enjoyed it it just was not like you know eating pikachu's butt at a pikachu cafe right like it's not that, that, that was your dream yeah yeah it, it did not come true they did not come through on the pikachu butt eating for yeah. you yeah such a shame so that that was our very long tangent on uh Japanese cafes and how we should have theme cafes in America. But let's move on and talk about the games that are out this week. And I think the one at the top of everyone's mind is Scourgebringer. I know Brian was excited about this. Um, Tom, have you played Scourgebringer as well? Yeah, I, pl I played Scourgebringer back when it first launched in early access, and I've played a little bit of the 1.0 since. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Uh, Brian, can you tell us more about this game? Yeah, sure. Uh, this is a, um, you know, your roguelite action platformer, you know, those those buzzwords that get thrown around. Um, what you will notice immediately playing this game is that it has phenomenal player movement. Like it it really sort of feels like um, like the sort of PS3 era action games where you're juggling characters uh, sort of infinitely. Um, but it's, it's a 2D side scroller. And so um, there's a lot of sort of like wave dashing and um, sort of diagonally zipping through the air and beating people up. And it just like, you feel like you don't touch the ground for a long time. It feels kind of celesty in the, in the sort of the, the way you move around um, with obviously like a little bit of Hades and dead cells and some of the, you know, some of your favorite sort of like, you know, action, uh, sort of uh, roguelite driven games um i really really love it i think the art direction is fantastic uh it's tough but not like not like make you never want to play again tough like it's it's got okay. that really good loop of like kind of pushing you to get back out there and get a little bit better unlocking stuff to make your next run smarter and more efficient um yeah i, lo I love this game a ton um I, it was a total surprise for me i was not expecting to love it as much as this because i didn't admittedly didn't really like know a ton about it and I just kind of got it and started playing it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I'm looking for right now. Cool. Yeah, thanks for that recap. And also out this week is Torchlight. Oh, yeah. And by the way, Scourgebringer is $16.99. So it's not even that expensive. Mm -hmm. And um, we and there's also a demo. Look at that. So you can try it before you buy it. Um, also out this week is Torchlight 3 out on the 22nd for $39.99. And this is an action RPG with four playable classes. This is out on PC like a while ago, wasn't it? Uh, in early access, yeah. Okay. So early access, it launched with like kind of a thud a little bit. Um, and I have not returned to it for 1.0 yet. Okay. So yeah, that's an action RPG. Uh, got a 6 out of 10 for early access review, but uh, now it's out on the Switch. Um, Usually also, the Torchlight games are better than that, though. So I'm, yeah, I'm hoping that I... that was just the roughness of the early access build. 
Uh, you know, we review early access games uh, when when they yeah. charge people, right? Yes. If there's a fee for entrance, and so uh, just to give people guidance, but we'll look at the final game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll probably it'll probably be better than a six out of ten. Kind of, I know like Baldur's Gate three also just came out in early access, and yeah. that reviewed lower than I expected it to. But again, yeah, early access. So it'll probably be mm-hmm. better by the time it actually launches sometimes next year. But also out this week is Goner 2 out on the 22nd for $12.99. Um, I saw someone highlighting it. Does that mean someone wants to talk about this game? No, no. I, I, okay. I played the first one. I haven't played the, the second one. I haven't seen it yet. Goner was really cool. Uh, we actually had the creator of Goner on NVC uh, a couple of years ago, if you guys remember oh, that, cool. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah Goner was, really was great. Yep. And it has a party co-op mode with up to four players. It is a brutally difficult, procedurally generated 2D platformer. So like a harder, more brutal version of uh, Super Mario Bros. Uh, Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe. Gosh, that name. Uh, with, yeah, with, with a gun. With, with a gun. gun. Yeah, I was going to say. Right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And it also has roguelike, roguelike elements. Also out this week is a disc room for $15 where you go into different rooms full of spinning saw blades and try to survive as long as possible. Tom? Tell us yeah. what you think about this game. This is, this is a new game from Devolver. It's got one of the developers. It's like a small team of people. One of the developers worked on uh, Enter the Gungeon. Another one worked on Nuclear Throne. So these are guys who kind of like really know these sort of frantic, you're in a room locked with death sort of games. And I, I've had a lot of fun with this. Basically, it is just, yeah, you go into a room and there is different types of saw blades and you just try to survive as long as you can. And largely that is less than 30 seconds. And then (laughs) each room has requirements. It has a bunch of other doors and each door has a specific requirement to get into that door. So it might be like survive in this room for 15 seconds or like be killed by 10 different types of saw blades across the entire game. Or, you know, there's, there's all these different little mini missions. Um, It's really hard, but you know, that's sort of the point is that you get killed a lot. So it doesn't feel like terrible every time you lose. It feels like I I compared it on Twitter to like trying to balance a broom on your hand, right? It's that sort of feeling of just like, oh, how long can I do this? And like failing is part of it. And you just like pick up the broom again and go again. Um, yeah, so it's it's not like it knows what it is. It's not like a big, fancy, incredible like thing that you're going to spend dozens of hours in necessarily. But like it's very fun and it's very amusing. So it's it's one to check out if you like score attack games like that. It does sound fun. Cool. And lastly, out this week that I didn't even know was coming out this week, it was totally snuck up on me, is the Red Lantern for $25, which is the roguelike narrative dog sledding game. We first saw this at Gamescom last year in 2019, and it's finally out. And I've been, I'm excited to play this one. Me too. Yeah, I think I'm going to start it this weekend. Looks neat. But now that we've finished talking about games out this week, which we talked about Scourgebringer, Torchlight 3, Goner 2, Disc Room, and the Red Lantern. Let's talk about what we are actually playing this week. I know I already talked about Mario Kart Live, and besides that, I have continued to play some Otome games because they are visual novels, and all I have to do is press the A button, which I can very easily do. So I started playing Caller X Malice, which is supposed to be the best kind of the best game in that genre on the Switch, and so far I totally agree. I think it also came out on the Vita like forever ago. But anyway, what are what are you guys playing? So yeah, Mario Kart Live obviously was the the big release. I actually I've been playing uh I've been playing my Xbox and playing through the entire Mafia trilogy. Um you know, I wish we uh, uh we had gotten um all of them on the Switch yet, but obviously uh we ha- don't have that yet, including the 
the remake of the first one and then the kind of up versions of the second and third ones. I really like those games. They're very confined sand they're not sandbox games they're like more like la noir where we drive where you drive around the city from story sequence to story sequence and then there's some action um i i dig that series so i'm on the third one now uh but then uh, i also played a smaller game on the switch called filament filament is a puzzle game where basically uh you're 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 taking a, a cable and you're you're you need to solve how to connect that cable to multiple points and bring it back to the uh, to the entrance so it's a very clever puzzle setup um it's not a game it's it's kind of uh, uh you know it's 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 relaxing it's just fun to play it's not a game that puts a lot of pressure on you to solve the puzzles um and uh i i find those games to be always the the perfect break between some of the bigger quest games where you just spend a couple of minutes solve a couple of rooms and then um move on to something else yeah Good. i can i can back up that recommendation too mm-hmm. cool. uh tom what are you playing i mean i've been jumping around i've been still playing pikmin 3 deluxe which cool. i'm excited to talk about potentially next week if i'm on the episode uh i like i said i've i've been I had this thing happen to me where I played way too much Hades on the weekend and <laughs> it got so stuck in my brain. I couldn't sleep that night because I was like thinking about it too much. <laughs> that's happened to me with games before, but usually then like the next day it'll go away. And like the next day I was still thinking about it. And the next day I was still thinking about it and it got so in my brain. I've gone like basically cold Turkey stopped playing Hades because I need to like get it out of my system so I can like my brain can reprocess. And in the wake of that, I've like not been able to sit still with any game. So I've played probably 20 different games this Whoa. last week, but none of them for more than 20 minutes. Right. Like I've just been jumping around like crazy. run. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it's a very strange thing. So I will save everyone by not listing all of them, but probably the most is Pikmin. Okay. Oh, Oh, the real Pikmin, not the Pikmin yeah. demo. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Ryan, what are you even playing? Uh, just Scorchbringer and Mario Kart. I didn't have um, I didn't have internet for nine full oh, days. Yeah. How are so, you alive? I don't. It was weird. It was definitely you know eye opening. Well, I, I moved, so I had like I was playing a lot of moving out in real life. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of mm-hmm. furniture builder oh, pro. No. Fun stuff like that. Carrying yeah, boxes thing, with your wife. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but throwing the them sec- in the pool. The- <laughs> <laughs> the kiddie pool. The second I got uh, um, internet set up, I played Super Mario 35 because, like, I feel like that game came out right before I started moving. And jumping back into it um, was so much fun. I love that game so much. I don't need to sell you on it if you're if you're listening at home because um, you probably know about it already. But I will say it's it's it is such a smart way to uh, consistently increase the chaos in something that I knew like the back of my hand. I played the original Mario Brothers for you know, thousands of times at this point. And I was a huge fan of Tetris 99, but I felt like the thing about Tetris 99 was that um, unless you were like top, top tier Tetris player, there's a moment in that game where people can throw a bunch of garbage at you and there's no escaping it. And I feel like in Super Mario 35, that can happen, but there's there's like a still like a slim margin where you can eke past the competition, dodge the 600 dropping turtles and Goombas and survive. The thing is, like, if you've been playing that game kind of speedrunny for your whole life and you know the placement of everything in every level um, and now all of a sudden that's remixed, um, it throws everything off of you, but in like in a really fun, challenging way. So if you played it for a few rounds and you're like, this is cool, I urge you to go back because um, it's it's super, super fun. 
I I don't know why I remembered now, but I completely forgot that we got another Age of Calamity trailer this week, and I totally forgot that to put that in the news. But we got to see Hestu, <laughs> so that's a piece of news I forgot to mention. But I think we do have time for one question block question. All right, um, from Chris Baker, they ask, "What's been your most unique, surprising?" unique slash surprising gaming experiences here i really didn't expect to enjoy hades but it's become a favorite of mine a mario kart for sure um it's i i wouldn't have i wouldn't have guessed at this product you know we talk so much about all the dreams and aspirations we have for sequels and what nintendo is going to do next with labo we talked about that at infinim last year and like i couldn't have predicted the an ar game with little mario karts and then once you play it you're like man this is you know, this it was an idea whose time has come to quote an old, uh, you know, a smart person. Um, and it's just like it, it when you first play it, it seems so magical. And I love those moments where you're trying out something that like you you feel like somebody out there is much smarter than you and came up with something that you could have never come up with and then had the drive to actually bring it to uh, fruition. And like that, that was the most impressive thing to me. It's, it is really cool. Uh, Brian, what about you? Um, probably Streets of Rage 4, honestly. Hmm. I really wasn't expecting... I thought it would just kind of be a cash-in. Like, it was shaping up to look cool and sound cool, but then I sat down to play it, and I was like, this is like this is a brilliant throwback to, like, one of my favorite old genres that, like, frankly, um, doesn't resurface often. When it does, they kind of... You know, people tend to sort of miss the point of what makes a beat-em-up good. Um, so I love Streets of Rage 4. It's a super awesome game. The other one was The Last of Us 2. I went in going like, oh, there's no way this game, it, it, we don't need this game. And then all the leaks happened. And I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't like what they're doing with this. And then I played it and it was, I personally thought it was phenomenal. I understand why people wouldn't like the story in it, but I, I thought it was like one of the most incredible games of the generation. Tom, what about you? Uh, probably Spiritfarer. I, okay. I was looking forward to Spirit Fair, but I didn't really know what to expect from it. And then it was just such a wholly unique thing that I played this year that really captivated me. And yeah, I if you haven't played that game yet, I cannot recommend it enough still. I think it's undoubtedly one of the prettiest games that came out this year. Cool. And with that, that is about all we have for this week's Nintendo Voice Chat. So thank you all so much for listening. Tom, Pear, and Brian, thank you so much for joining me this week. I, it's glad to be back, or I'm glad to be back. Not it. That doesn't make any sense. But mm-hmm. anyway, thank you all so much for being here. And remember, you can Thanks, send in Casey. your own questions. Oh, yeah. You can send in your own questions to NBC at IGN.com or respond to our weekly question <laughs> pasta. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Lunchtime. Question you pasta? Know, Wait, are we doing that? Pasta question pasta what okay, is a question pasta tune in next week to find out what is a question pasta on a tender voice <laughs> chat which is the only place you can eat the Get thing the thing hey there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.